Welcome to Sega Saturn Shiro, the only podcast that sets your U.S. Saturn collection to sorted. I'm Patrick, and tonight's Shiro's are Kay, Peter, and myself. Before we actually record the rest of our stuff, funny story. I, a while ago, I ended up picking up a copy of Contra, and I saw quite a few of them online, but none of them had the 3D glasses. But this one advertised, you know, 3D glasses included and all the rest of it. So I was super excited. I ended up buying it, and it came, and sure enough, it had the 3D glasses. So, you know, it went on the shelf for a little while because I was busy. Anyways, a few weeks later, I picked it out, and I was going to try you know, the 3D mode. And so I went to put on the 3D glasses and the person that sold it to me, those, it wasn't the original glasses. It was like these Burger King 3D glasses. <laughs> so, I mean, I've, I've got it complete, but I've got fake glasses. So when I was hearing, you know, what you were saying, okay, you bought the PlayStation version. Like I'm thinking, okay, if that's cheaper, I just might do the same thing. Cause right now I've got Burger King glasses. So <laughs> hey, you're the king, at least when you play that game. And yeah, I'm the king, all right. <laughs> wow, that went up. <laughs> so yeah, there's the two versions. There's like the thick case and the thin case. There's a sealed thick case, and that's like 375. Oh my god. Yeah, well, that's see, PlayStation. If you look through them, you may or may not find ones that include the glasses. And I lucked out. I guess I paid 20 bucks for mine. Oh, that's disgusting. Why is that game so expensive for? That game, like, sucks. Um, it, they said it's uh, sealed. Oh, okay. Oh, well, I mean, you know what? I've seen them online before as well, and I've just never bothered to pick them up. I will eventually get around to it. I'm not overly worried about it because most people don't consider that to be, you know, super rare or whatever. So I'm, I'm sure I'll hit it at some point. All right, so why don't we uh, dive into the world of Saturn news and see what is going on. Let me start off with my review of Symphony of the Night and Rondo of Blood on Vinyl. So for those of you that don't know, I believe it was a couple weeks ago, Amondo Records released both Symphony of the Night and Rondo of Blood on a vinyl record like at the exact same time. Usually they've been doing sort of a one-in-one, so one, one this month, one that month. A couple of weeks ago they did the whole shebang and released both of them at the same time. Starting off with Rondo of Blood, not really a lot of variants, just one variant, the first record with blue with black splatter, and the second disc with red with black splatter. And each disc had each soundtrack, so the first soundtrack had Rondo Blood for the PC Engine, and the second one had the Castlevania X soundtrack that was on Super Nintendo. The uh, Rondo Blood record was originally released as a exclusive at San Diego Comic-Con, and sold out pretty quickly and was flipped on eBay for $100 or more. But uh, it was released and it sounds fantastic. As a lot of people know that there's a lot of really some issues with the, the splattering effects on the vinyl record just because it can cause some noise. But this one is really clean sounding in it. And I really enjoyed hearing that amazing soundtrack once again on vinyl. It was amazing and I love, I love the Rondo Blood soundtrack. Even Castlevania X, I love the interpretations on the Super Nintendo sound chip. And I would recommend picking that one up for sure if you love Castlevania. In terms of uh, Simply the Night, that one had the most variants where it had the limited edition variant with a black, gold, and bone colored whirl on the record. And that was limited to a thousand copies. The other variant they had is a translucent red vinyl, like a blood red, like a red wine. It looked really great, and that's the one I went with. The cool thing about the soundtrack is that it had seven exclusive Saturn tracks that were originally on the Saturn version on the record itself, so it had Guardian, Vampire Killer Remix 1 and 2, Bloody Tears Remix 1 and 2, and then Beginning Remix 1 and 2. Same thing as the Rondo Blood record, it sounds fantastic, it looks great. 
packaging is really cool as well. I kind of really wish they would have used the original packaging, but what they use is pretty good. Just the original Saturn packaging by the original artist looked really great. The only downside I had with this record is that it did not have I Am The Wind on it, which was kind of a really big killer for me because I really love that closing credit song. It sort of seemed really relaxing. A lot of people think it seemed out of place, but I thought it was really relaxing and really mellow. Like Rano Blood record, it sounds amazing, and I love listening to it. Have you guys checked this out or had any interest in picking them up? Well, I'm a big fan of the uh, Symphony of the Night soundtrack, and I've just uh, not too long ago played through Rondo of Blood, and that sounds really, really awesome too. So, you know, <laughs> the more you talk about vinyl releases, the more I get tempted to just sort of take the dive and and do it because it just the sound quality is phenomenal, and these are just top-notch soundtracks. So, yeah, you know, I'm, at some point, I'm sure I'll dive in as well. Yeah, definitely. It's It sounds really great. I love the soundtracks wholeheartedly. And actually, just beat Symphony of the Night again on the PlayStation 1, and it's just as great as the first time. Rondo Blood, I believe it is released through another shop. I don't know exactly the name, but you could probably hunt it down. Symphony of the Night, they sold out of the Translucent Red, the limited edition, and the, I think the bonus sold out. I'm not 100% sure on that. They also released a black final variant, so if you want to pick that up, you can also do that, and it's readily available. Okay, so uh, moving on to the box of Saturn games found at Sega HQ. So have you guys seen anything about this? Yeah, so that was, I think it was somebody on, it was the Sega PR guy on Twitter that posted, you know, that they'd, they'd sort of found a bunch of boxes and they'd open them up and it contained sealed, you know, new games from back in the Saturn days. And I know there was some Guardian Heroes in there. Uh, there was some of the Nights into Dreams with the 3D control pad and a, a few others. And I mean, to me, that is, well, first of all, it's an awesome find. But second of all, I know that Sega, at least back when they were in San Francisco, they sort of had an area in their office, it's almost like a vault, where they kept multiple copies of absolutely the, everything that they had ever released in the States. So we're talking Master System all the way to the end of Dreamcast. Like, I actually recall seeing photos of, uh, you know, inside this particular room, this vault, if you will, and just seeing just stacks upon stacks of pristine games throughout the entire 20 or so years that, you know, Sega was pumping out games in North America as a first party. And it's just a sight to behold. And I mean, to find, you know, new old stock like that, I know Sega isn't the first company to, to sort of come upon that, but that's just something that's supremely special uh, in my opinion. And, you know, just a quick note, uh, in some of the photos that, I, that I've that i got uh, from their, you know, sort of vault location, perhaps the most interesting of all of those were uh, stacks of Dreamcast pre-production discs with those Dreamcast labels on them and, you know, people would handwrite whatever was on the disc. And, you know, boy, wouldn't I just love to get my hands on all those discs because I can't even imagine, you know, what's on there that, you know, maybe never got released or would be super interesting for the community. And I'm sure there's more than just Dreamcast. I'm sure that includes Saturn as well as a whole bunch of other things. So I love reading and hearing about, uh, you know, discoveries like that. I think it's super cool and it's exciting. I very much doubt that this is stuff that Sega is going to put out, you know, for sale or, or make available for their fans to somehow get a hold of. I don't think that's going to happen, but it still, it's just, it's a really awesome thing to read about. I, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Apparently a lot of the stuff they had that was extra, they, so, they gave out to other employees and 
They had a lot of really rare stuff. Like they had boxes of the Nights in the Dreams with the the controller with the the 3D pad. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had the they had Guardian Heroes copies, like boxes sealed, and they even had Panzer Dragoon Saga, like just uh, new copies. That's wow. I mean, that's just wow. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. So, if any of you that worked at Sega HQ got that, well, you guys are you guys are lucky and. Send me a couple of those, uh, couple of Panzer Dragoon Saga copies, please. All right. <laughs> and finally, I'd like to talk about our new announcement. The, I mean, you probably already seen it and probably heard it, hopefully. But we collaborated with Radio Sega to bring our cast to their guest nights. So every every Monday night from 7 p.m. GMT, which is 11 a.m. Pacific time. They will be showing different casts. So they have a uh, Streamcast Junkyard. They have the us on there, of course. They have the Titan cast. And they have so all these other guests that are on the show that they're gonna basically show their podcast. So I believe that just starts from the first podcast and up. So I think by the time we watch this, it'll be our second or third cast that will be going up. But yeah, yeah it's gonna be great. Uh, we'll probably see what we can do in the future. Maybe do premiere episodes on there, but. Yeah, check it out. It's really great. We got some really great feedback from people that really enjoyed the show. And I love hearing people discuss it and talk about things that I talked about like a year ago that I don't even know. It's like, oh yeah, that was really cool when you brought up this and that, Patrick. It's like, bring up what? So I'm hoping that we'll be able to keep doing that and everything will be going well. We'd like to introduce our guests, both the immortal John Harrencock and Mr. Steve Wright. How's it going, guys? Hey, guys. It's going great. Thanks for inviting us. Always a pleasure being on here. Yeah, it's great to have you guys. We're going to get right into that, which is going to be the tips, guides, and general discussion on collecting North American Saturn games. So, John and uh, Steve, what got you guys interested in collecting for the Saturn John, you can go first, John. Oh, okay. Uh, so I've been a huge Sega fan for a long time. I've been collecting close to 30 years. And I, for me, it, it wasn't in particular Sega Saturn, but really just Sega in general. I really am intrigued by the company and the games they produce. And they've, they've made some wonderful arcade quality games and, and other things. And really, you know, to me, the, the Sega Saturn was the evolution for me of the love of Sega CD, Sega 32X, Sega Genesis. It was like the next step. And so that's why I got into it is that it was it was really Sega of the future back in the day. Well, the reason I got uh, collect, started collecting Sega is because uh, back in the day, I couldn't afford it. My mom, we, uh, me and brothers, we had, I had two brothers. Well, two brothers and two sisters so we had just one super nintendo and my cousin he had like sega genesis so when i went over there the sega was just like it was amazing like i remember my first day getting uh he got sonic 2 me and him actually went half and half i had cut grass for a week and uh to get sonic you know it was coming like you know that the little promotion they had, you know, on um, whatever it was, but I can't remember it now. But we both went into KB Toy Stores. We put our money day together. Got this big old Sonic package, and we played all night. The music was amazing, and I even played Sonic One. That was really crazy. 
I remember just always saying, and all my friends had Sega Genesis, and I always wanted it. So growing up, as I get older, I was able to buy me a, a Sega Saturn. And I remember buying a Sega Saturn, and just the system was just so revolutionized. It was like CD. It was like, look at the system today. It looks still like, it looks better than the PlayStation 4 to me. I mean, it's, it's, it still looks like it can hold up today. It had like a cartridge slide. It had two controllers, the six-button controller. I still love that's the best for the fight and then like arcade perfect fighting games i mean just it was just mind-blowing it was just i loved it and then the long box stuff craze i mean that whoever had a big long cover magazine you know i mean or an instruction book some of them were okay but the other was just the amazing artwork like i still remember like Mega Man x4 that's still my favorite game i love that game it just and the music it just so much second saturday so yeah i can go on and on i just mm-hmm. i just love it <laughs> Man, you have excellent taste in Mega Man games, dude. I, I love, love it. Mega, yeah, I love Mega Man X4. It's such a good game. The, the soundtrack, and then it's just so different for PlayStation version. It's like so much stuff is happening under the background and the music and the animation. You know, even the animation on uh, Mega Man 8 on the Saturn. It's so cheesy, but it's still so good. That voice acting, though, man, it's like golden standard. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Tell me about it. It's so cheesy. So what would you guys say is the most interesting piece that you've collected so far for Saturn? Why don't we start with you, Steve? My white Japanese Sega Saturn, because uh, when I was stationed in Japan, um, I remember when the Dreamcast first came out. And uh, I never knew there was a white version of the Sega Saturn. So when I was getting ready to leave and come back to the States, I found out about a white Sega Saturn. And I saw it in Akihabara. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is like a white Sega Saturn. It was just pure clean. It was just excellent it was it was so pretty so i had to always get one so years later you know i finally able to get one and when i found out that you only need a pro action replay to play both u.s and japanese games i was amazed i was like okay you know i still like the the regular u.s model 2 saturn but that white one it just something speaks to it when you see it it's eye-catching it's like it stands out in front of all your other video game systems so i think that's pretty interesting that i like that i have I'm going to agree with you. Like, I have so many different, say, Saturn consoles, and they're all U.S. consoles. They're all nice and black and all the rest of it. But I do have, even though I have ways of playing Japanese games on these systems, I do have a white uh, Saturn because it does look, it just looks super classy, you know? So I love it. It's great. It's an amazing system. They say they really put their heart, you can see they really put their heart in the system. Too bad that the marketing sucked over here and it came out of the bad time after all that failed 32X garbage which I hate it, but I mean, it failed, but it was still a great looking system. You can see the heart and soul of Sega, you know, just in that system. Well, and you know what? I think that's why it's, you know, one of the top sort of collectible systems today. Because, yeah, you're right. People in the day, they just ignored it. There was no, you know, need for it like there was for PlayStation or Nintendo 64. But nowadays, people are just flocking to it because they're just discovering all this amazing stuff that you can play on the Saturn. Uh, John, what about with you? What's uh, sort of the most interesting piece that you've got in your Saturn collection so far? Well, the nice thing about collecting a long time is that you kind of collect things before like the hype and the buzz and the popularity of something. You know, I've been collecting a long time and my love for Saturn is very gradual. I, I have a lot of interesting pieces. I have import games. I have a near complete collection. But the one thing I really think is odd is the Lost and Found volumes one through three. I don't know of many people that have all three volumes together. And what the what these are is these were either demos or unreleased uh, footage or uh, commercials and or unreleased games 
on, on separate volumes. And it's really hard to complete these. The first one was offered in at Classic Gaming Expo in 2004. And, it, you know, it's nothing, it's, it's nothing great, but it's one of these things where it's, there's only so many copies of it, you know, less than 50 copies of each volume floating around. You had to go to a show and you had to be present. <laughs> and it's just one of these things like in the aftermarket, it's pretty tough to hunt these down. And so that to me is the, the weird stuff I like collecting is going after the kind of these obscure side note projects that someone thought were interesting enough that people would actually pay money for. And uh, it's just neat, you know, and it's nice to see that there's more of these projects now coming out and in a more professional packaging and stuff. And so, yeah. That's that would be the, my most probably my more interesting piece for my Saturn collection. For sure, Lost and Found is not even something that I think too many people you know have heard of. Like you mentioned, my favorite piece out of the whole Lost and Found set, there's an old. I think it was like a McDonald's uh, crossover with Batman commercial. That's on one of those discs, and it you know the the video quality on the Saturn is actually really good. But it's like a cheesy '90s video, and it was promoting a camera which Batman movie was coming out at the time. And the girl was taking an order, and the manager told her to go get more fry boxes or something. And she goes to the back room and discovers the secret entrance to the Bat Cave, and like it was just pure cheese. But you know that's the kind of stuff that uh, Lost and Found had. And I I agree with you. I think it's super interesting. The you know. Sort of obscure things that you can pick up uh, for the Saturn. There's only 25 so, copies of the first run. I, I apologize. I think I said 50, but yeah, there's actually there's actually only 25 copies of the first of the first one, just to make 20. it that more painful. <laughs> and John Hancock has 10 of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, just playing. Yeah, no, that was funny. Uh, no, I, <laughs> definitely, definitely, uh, just one copy. I actually have to go in uh, over John's house one of these days and dump his copy of three because I have a copy of three and the creator of that did not put the data on the second disc. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's literally like a blank disc. Yeah, it's literally a blank disc with the Lost and Found label on it. Number wow. 21, I think. Uh, it's kind of a, a funny story. So I was like, I don't know whether or not to keep it blank and then just, you know, get a, a copy or get uh, John's dump and then burn it to that disc. And mine may not have anything on it either. I think it's important to note that that was that whole project was barely made, and part of it was uncertain on if there was be there would be a demand. It was released at a time in which very little Saturn stuff. I mean, Saturn was like the you know something newer. And so it, it was. It was an interesting project, and so yeah, I'd love love to see what mine has on it. Look forward to that, Kay. You know, I'm thinking that maybe the data was on there, but maybe just after years, it maybe just rotted or something like that. Because I know that like there was only on there's like an on an old CER, right? Just oh, like a no, disc. It literally comes up as blank and asks me if I want to record. Oh wow! Yeah, because yeah, I know that happened to me in a couple CDRs I own that I burnt like in 2003 that are just like don't even work and. I don't really recognize so. Hey, speaking of um, burnt disc or the CD disc about the Saturn, um, how many of the Saturn games can you put in a regular CD player and, and, just, and listen to the soundtrack? Because I know a couple games you can do that with. There's actually a, a ton. Like a lot of it, you can actually. I've actually ripped audio from. Like I know Batsu Gun, you can as long as it has Redbook audio, you should be able to. That's 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 another thing that's amazing too. Because they, you know, Sega always kind of like put 
stuff forward just a little bit. The statistics was out there. You know, Nintendo was always super duper safe. You know, even going back with I don't want to get off topic, but you know, like the Mortal Kombat, uh, the Mortal Kombat. You know, I say trilogy, but uh, the scandal or whatever you want to call it. You know, Sega said, "Hey, come on up. We have blood." You know, Nintendo said, "No, we got great sweat, but we still got good graphics." You know, and Sega was putting soundtracks on stuff where I know as a kid I love soundtracks. You know, video game soundtracks. Yeah, the way to check for that is um, drop it into your system mm-hmm. um, with the lid open, and it'll come up to the CD player. If you close the lid and it says uh, start application, you can use the shoulder buttons to skip ahead of track. And if when you do skip ahead of track, it plays music, then you can put that into your CD player. Okay, that'd be cool with yeah. Yeah, and it's more, uh, and really anything with Redbook Audio could do that. Like a lot of the Sega CD games, a lot of them with Redbook Audio, like I know for Specs Snatcher, you can listen to straight, like just put in your CD drive, or your, like a CD ROM or CD player, and you can listen to it. A lot of the, the funny thing with Snatcher though is that a lot of the audio tracks with the music are on the disc. So it, you'll have the music, but you'll have the audio of them talking as well, which I thought was pretty funny, but. What's even more interesting about how forward-thinking Sega was with this system is that the there are a few Saturn games, mostly I believe in Japan, not exclusively Japanese, um, where you can drop the disc into a PC and you'll actually find like wallpaper, uh, things of that nature. Yeah, I, I know the I know that uh, both Toy Commander and Sonic Adventure on the Dreamcast is able to do that. Was there any Saturn games that specifically had that too? I think most of the Sonic Team uh, games did have that. Like I know Burning Rangers has a whole bunch of wallpapers. So does Sonic Jam, Knights of the Dreams. So those are the ones that come to mind for me. That's not that's pretty cool. Sega was such a promising company, they just didn't know how to market, and I just kind of blame that on the Japanese market because they're very stingy. They don't like to work with a lot of people. Even the stuff with the uh, YouTube stuff, how Nintendo takes down content, you know, they just always been real bullish and pig-headed and just said in their ways. And that stuff didn't fly over here. Sad to say, they just faded away. Just like, you know, we were going to put up with that. Definitely. I, I Personally, I think if they were to take the risks at Japan, I think they would have been successful. But, <clears throat> I mean, that's that's how time rolls, I guess, right? Well, I think it's important to know that they kind of ticked off a lot of development uh, by launching the Saturn early. And a lot of people were just mad at that. I think they, 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 they didn't launch the Saturn, and I think that really ticked off the North American market and, and really caused a lot of issues. Gotcha. So one of the things I'd like to ask you is uh, how close are you guys to completing your Saturn collection goals? Uh, me? I'm thinking, well, I'm done I set out a goal, and I thought I wouldn't complete it. And I don't know, because somebody joked and said, you need to check and see if you did this the fastest. I really don't know. But uh, I wanted to complete a full retail set of Sega Saturn games. You know, I wanted to do it, like I said, I wanted to do it in a year. And I ended up doing it in eight months. I didn't even know I was going to do it that fast, because at one point, I just hit a roadblock. Like, all the games I bought, it was just dried out everywhere. So I had to start leaving the state and doing it going to shows and different stuff but um yeah uh in eight months uh like about a couple of weeks ago past weeks ago I, I finished a whole uh retail set now a retail set for me is all the games you can buy in the store and a lot of people if i said that they well what about daytona usa netlink i said well that was a mail-in offer and you can buy it in the store and it's up and down with that 
But I don't know why people was fussing with that. But, you know, you also had to have two or three people. I had to block and, you know, even from YouTube and just say, well, you didn't do all this. stuff. like, well, uh, let's don't look at the negative. Look at the positive. It's a lot of hard work. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears, as they say. That, exactly. You know, and it's not their collection. It's your collection. Yeah, it's my collection. And then I don't I didn't want to be, a, a, like, rude to nobody about it or like that because... You know, they're all video games, and video games are supposed to make people happy. And going on the journey with me, I saw a lot of people like that. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Come on, let's, 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 let's you know, put it out there and let's, let's see how it goes. And I have some nice people even donate me some games and stuff, you know. And John, he donated the game to me one time at the, at the show. It was really nice and gave, gave back to him all some stuff. So it was some really good, you know, love, you know, completing this set, you know. I found some hard-to-find games. It was just... It's amazing, man, how fast I got this set. I didn't. I started. How I started to get this set was in March of this year. I traded off of Xbox One X in like five or six games, some Blu-rays or some 4K movies. I was just so disappointed with uh, Xbox One X, and I was just so disappointed with. It. I'm like, I'm not playing. I'm playing my PlayStation Four more. I'm not an Xbox guy. I'm not a PlayStation guy. I'm a game guy. I just I was just disappointed with the system, so I just put it out there and said, hey. I want to sell this or trade and say, hey, I got some Sega Saturn games. I'm like, oh, man, I, I remember a little Sega Saturn. I want a, another Sega Saturn game. So we met up. It was about like a two-hour trip, and he had like 30, about 40 games. And we picked, I picked through which ones I wanted, and I handed it off to him because I always keep my stuff as a collector. You know, we always keep our stuff boxing with manuals and everything. So we handed it over. Said, man, do you need anything else? No, we shook on it, and we went our separate ways, and that was when it bit me. I said, you know, and someone said, I went to one of my stores to my friend. He said, you got all that for this? Yeah. I said, I can always get another Xbox One X, but I said, it's hard that you get Sega Saturn games. He said, yeah, you're right about that. He said, you should go for a full set. I said, man, I never went for a full set. I'm not a full set type of guy. He said, you should just try to do it. I said, it probably can't be done. I said, it probably can. That's okay. I'll do it. He said, you going to do it? I said, yeah, I'll do it. And just like that, I <laughs> start looking for second setting games. They just start popping up, popping up, okay. popping up. I guess I'm a big believer of writing things down, writing your goals down, and letting it manifest. So anything I want, it's really kind of amazing that uh, I wrote down just all kind of stuff. And I go back and look through my phone, like, oh, I got that, I got that, I got that. Like Panzer Dragon Saga, or, you know, Contra, or I'm looking at another game right here. Uh, like Die Hard Arcade or just just even Buster Move 3, which that was crazy. I can't believe they messed up. I got that for like 30 bucks from a movie trading company. You know how a movie trading company is sometimes. So just gotcha. things, things like that. It just, you know, I wrote it down and it happened. So yeah, that's my personal goal. And uh, I guess I, I did achieve it. Man, that's uh, gotta say. I think that's really amazing that you like you just sat down, did your goal, and that's that's why I really really love your collection. What you've been, because I mean, I think everybody's been seeing you post about it, getting more and more. Uh-huh. And I always I always love seeing that. It's like, oh, he knows what he wants to do. Like he has a target goal, he's gonna reach it. And I think that's that's what a lot of people should do for the collecting. Be like, you want this, and you're gonna do it. You know, I I want this game or this game or all of it. And, just, and that's yeah. sort of why I, I liked about that. Oh, thank you, man. It just it's a power like the power of positivity, you know. <laughs> you just gotta write stuff down and just think about it and do it. And also to find some good people and uh to trade with too. <laughs> <laughs> what about uh what about yourself, John? So, you know, for me, I think the biggest challenge is 
I, because I collect so many different things and want to have a, a video game comprehensive collection for a future museum. And so that's always been my number one goal. And so that's, it's, it's a monumental task to try to have uh, a comprehensive collection of everything as best as possible on a budget. And it's, it's, it's been a great journey. Like, you know, I, I have 28 complete game collections, North American. And this last year, because my Nintendo collection was on public display, I really was focused on that because, you know, I wanted to have as many of the games complete as possible. And it, it's, it's, you know, when your when your game, when your collection goes on public display, every little dent, every little scratch, every little thing is just there. And so that was my focus for this last year. But I've been collecting Saturn for 20 years and it's, it's evolved. I, I didn't go out with a goal of having a set and it's gotten closer and closer. And I, you know, I met people like Steve that helped me out and, and people along the way. And it just, it's, I've gotten a couple games every year and now it's down to 13. I'm down like 13 games and I have 13 parts of games that I need that are separate than that. So I'm, I'm in the like 25 range of completing the set and for me, you know, whenever you go for a set or stay, I'm going to complete a set, you're going to have immediate judgment of people say, well, you don't include this, you don't include that. And for me, my definition of a complete set would be every variation of every retail game offered for the collection. And then everything else is in like a separate category, like demos and variations and stuff. So, I mean... The hardcore people that specialize on like a particular set can get real nitty gritty and 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 picky on like what's all included, and there never there never will be a consensus. But I think you know if you have a version of every game included with your collection, for me personally, that that's good. And and so I'm still on the journey. Uh, I am working on a larger sale for Daytona. And hopefully I'll have that in my possession soon. So that's that's exciting. That's something I never thought I'd have in my collection. I definitely really enjoy collecting for the for the set. And for me, I've just picked at it over the years. And so this is something 20 years in the making for me. Okay, so I've been collecting for Saturn for an extremely long time. And I think it was back in like 2008, 2009 that I thought, I'm going to go all the way. I'm going to go, you know, for every uh, retail game. Mm-hmm. And in 2010, I achieved that goal. So, and I mean every retail game. So I, that didn't include Daytona Netlink, although mm-hmm. I came quite close to picking one up. And it didn't include a demo that was missing, and that was Sega Screams Volume 2. But in any in any event, I did get every single uh, retail game. But then in 2014, I had a bit of uh, some challenges in life, and I ended up selling off a good portion of Gen and. Of course, you know, it, it only took a few months for me to really regret that decision. And so I've sort of rebuilt back up. Since then, I've been wanting to rebuild my collection. And I'm really kind of just back up to all retail games minus two. The two that I'm still looking for are Winning Post and Galaxy Fight. I'm just waiting for the right time and the right price to come along to snatch them up. And uh, yeah, no big rush for me. Uh, but it is pretty exciting. It's pretty cool. I really wish I could say, like, I'm doing this and that for a set, but really, I think my goal with the Saturn was just to play the games mostly, as I think the thing I like about the Saturn the most is that every time I think I know it all, there's something that just goes left field and hits me in the, in the side of the face, 
that I, like, I don't know anything about. So I have a small collection, nothing too big, but mostly my collection stuff is just games that I really want to play. So like Symphony of the Nights, House of the Dead, things of that nature, like the games that really interest me. Since I got the Ray, a lot of stuff has been just stuff that's been ripped from my collection or just stuff I found online. So mostly just playing-wise. And do the way that my collecting is just all over the place for like Dreamcast, Neo Geo, Sega Saturn, uh, SNES. I kind of cooled down a bit on Sega Saturn, especially with the prices of the US games and all the games in Japan that I really want that are sort of going up in price. So I kind of became more of a gamer than a collector, unfortunately, because I'd, I'd love to get all those big box games and all those really cool case and stuff, but it's like when you're spending... $100 per Neo Geo game, MVS game almost, and when you get in that upper echelon of the Dreamcast stuff, it, you kind of have to see what's the most important in the collection. If you want to get that extra Dreamcast game that you always wanted to play, but you didn't have the GD-ROM, or just a Saturn game that you already have on the Rea. The the thing that I find fascinating about you know this particular cast, um, and you know this group of, of people, is that we you know have a a bunch of you know collectors of various types you know um, steve kind of being uh the newbie who has you know, decimated the uh collection you know like one of the fastest i've ever seen and john who is handling multiple collections you know and juggling them all and getting them as he can uh, and peter who um i was i did not know so does that mean that you still actually have a uh, daytona netlink peter or did you skip out on that one? That's still one that I'm on the lookout for. Okay, so it's not just Galaxy Fight and Winning Post, but it's also Daytona Netlink and then Screams Volume 2, I'm assuming. I started my Saturn collection back in, like, 97, because I bought one uh, from Blockbuster. Anyone who's listened to the first cast knows about my Blockbuster Saturn story. Um, but I, as of, God, about a week or two ago... Um, I'm down to one, and that's Screams Volume 2. And uh, I'm, you know, my collection goal was not to um, skip anything. So I'm after variants, I'm after uh, all the different retail packaging of the games, I'm after things that aren't even games like the, um, the Netlink browsers and the demos, the things that were offered to store kiosks but not available to the public anything that i could get my hands on saturn wise was something that i was on my list and it's been kind of um interesting you know the more that i deep dived into this you know system uh, the more information would pop up more things that i would discover uh, for example this year i recently found out that several games a couple of common ones a couple of uncommon ones actually have code revisions on the disc so a second printing of the game had a different version than the first printing, uh, like version number increment. And to me, that's fascinating for that to know that they were doing that on the Saturn. And I know that we've heard about like censorship or editing that has gone into other games, like when they uh, scout um, some of the different enemies uh, and some of the music in like Moonwalker, for example, on the Genesis. But um, no one really knew. No one told me over these years that there were code updates, and I went after those too. It's just kind of crazy, and like we all have different kinds of you know collections in mind. 
And that kind of brings us to like their main topic, which you know I want to discuss with us for the next you know twenty five minutes or so, is collecting for the system, and what everyone's personal you know goals are. But right before we do that, I wanted to find out while you guys were collecting, um, you've had tips, tricks, things that you did uh, to uh, figure out whether or not the game was worth picking up, whether or not uh, it was damaged. Um, ways of making it cheaper on yourselves. And so I wanted just to see, you know, all of us as, you know, collectors, um, what tips did you guys have for the listener, you know, for picking up games? Uh, you want to start, John? Yeah, I'll go ahead and start. I think the biggest thing, and the, and the, and the one thing I see a lot of people do that, that actually is a mistake, is they'll bypass some of the common stuff that they see because they're going after like the more expensive stuff. And the thing that you need to know about Saturn is you need to collect everything that you see now because it's, it's, there's deserts out there, places that have very few Saturn items and there's other places that have a ton, but even getting cheaper games in person, you can use those cases, especially in good case. And if they're not cracked and messed up, to, for your other games. And so that's my, my big tip is that if you find a deal on something, don't don't focus. I mean, I guess focus, if, you, if you're just going for the stuff you want to play, uh, like Patrick, I think you were talking about uh, the stuff that you just like to play, and that's fine. But I think that, but if you're going for like a set or a comprehensive collection, you can't really bypass stuff that you find. Especially if it's a good price, it's kind of it, it, it's kind of a mistake if you do, and it's so hard to find Saturn stuff, especially on the West Coast. I mean, it's it, it's been pretty dry. Uh, there's stuff here and there, and and only now with the prices where they're at, you're starting to see more of it at shows. But for a long time, I could I could tell you, you didn't see a ton of it. And if you did see some of it, it was it was kind of picked over, but. So that's just my my one tip. I'm not going to say a bunch of tips. I'll let others chime in. But I say if you see good games and good prices, get them get them now. Yeah, in Arizona, it's quite literally a desert in terms of Saturn games. I mean, like I think the rarest thing I've ever seen at any Goodwill was a Magic Knight Ray Earth that was marked up to like five hundred dollars like two three years ago. So Jesus, that's not a good. One. That's more like no. a good grief. <laughs> yeah, it's a good grief, but yeah, Arizona, there's like nothing out here. Uh, even the shops, they don't really, like the, the gaming shops, they don't really have anything crazy, like maybe Panzer once in a while, but there's nothing nothing that's out of the ordinary or something. It's usually com, rare, common or rare common games, but I, it's just really the way it is. I mean, Saturn really wasn't popular anywhere. I mean, I, I didn't see anything at all in, when I lived out east either, so it's not like... I think it's just a state thing. Japanese well, game, though, it's pretty common, though. Before I go to a tip, I will I will go with the state thing because uh, I'm here in the South. So I'm in here in, in Dallas. I used to be in Arkansas, but, the, you know, like Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana, Alabama, uh, you know, and that region, that Southern region, for some reason, we have an overabundance of Saturn and like Saturn games and Genesis too, it was just the thing down here, and and it's, and also Nintendo. Uh, 
I see Saturn stuff all the time. There's just I like right now, I can easily pick up forty Saturn games and good titles. And it just it's weird to me, but then when I hear people talk about you guys, you say like it's a desert. And like it is crazy. Like, wow, it's far few in between. It's it's crazy. Is it like that? It just but I don't know. I, I think it's just a southern thing that guess we love our Sega down here. And it's always and people just didn't really hold on to I mean, they held on to it, but they didn't hold on to it. Because since, I guess, also another thing, Walmart was such a big distributor. So I guess, I guess so, some of that stuff from Walmart and, you know, there's a lot of retro game stores down here too. So I'm always to knock stuff out down here real quick, you know? Steve, when you were doing your collecting, were you uh, picking up a lot of, um, like, sets of games? Yes, I would. Um so this is how I achieved my goal. And I guess this is kind of a tip inside of there. Whenever I went and bought my games, I always... And another thing, too, is like uh, the the south, southern region have a lot of rod sales, yard sales, whatever you want to call it. So I would go there, and I'd take like $100 for the weekend, and I would just load up on trade bait. I would just buy all kind of stuff, uh, especially like controllers, now it's not so much because GameStop stopped it, but Wii controllers, uh, Xbox controllers, PlayStation 3 controllers, you know, you can find those, like, for $2 a piece. Sometimes you can, like, I remember one time I went to Goodwill, and I got uh, eight uh, Wii controllers, uh, the hookups to the TV, that's the bar. I got all that for 10 bucks. And I'm like, dude, you serious? Ten minutes said, yeah, let's go ahead. Because this guy came in here and bought the Wii U system. I said, okay. So I took that and flipped that at GameStop and got money to go back and buy more Saturn games. You know, stuff like that. So you buy, flip, buy, flip, learn how to do that. Also, too, another thing. Once you buy a lot of stuff from different people, uh, don't do it just to get stuff out of people. Make relationships. People, uh, I, I, I hate when I see people complain about this. They worry so much about getting a price for a game, but they forget about making a relationship with somebody. Like you gotta make a relationship with somebody. It's like, like uh, John. Like um, John didn't really know me for nothing, but we know we had a couple things on Facebook here and there and stuff. And John hits has probably a thousand people talking to him and stuff, you know. But then once we find a common bond, you know, and I say, hey, John, you know, hey, you know, we, I saw me PGRE, and I just start talking and develop a friendship, you know, and like, hey, man. I'm do something for you not because i want him to do something for me because out of the kindness of my heart i know he's a great guy i know he's a good dude you want to do stuff for people you want to take care of your fellow gamer we all it's too many it's it's so many games games gonna be here when we leave you know we can't take games with us we need to join here now but make sure take care make a relationship the relationship is the most important thing in collecting I tell you that for anybody. Just like we had tonight, we had like a big uh, buy sell trade meet. Uh, one instant, I'm I'm going for I guess now GameCube uh, collection. <laughs> so uh, uh, fire somebody had Fire Emblem. Uh, I had a, a Nintendo SP, the Nintendo version. Uh, guy wanted it, and I was gonna sell it for a hundred dollars. The guy wanted uh, for the GameCube game, he wanted it for twenty five, and I said, you know what? Um, he helped help talked him down to a hundred dollars for the uh, path of radius. I said, okay, cool. And I say, man, since you talked him down for that, I'm gonna let you have this game, this uh, SP for seventy five dollars. And he said, really? Yeah. So he gave him the seventy five dollars, and I just PayPal him, PayPal him twenty five dollars, and you know, we all got what we wanted because we took care of each other. We weren't trying to be greedy. 
So that's what I'm saying. That's the biggest tip. Take care of your fellow game because you never know how it's going to come back on you. I can't tell you it was so funny at PGRE that I got two or three free games. And and I'm just being nice people. I'm not doing it so I can get free games. Listen to me. Don't do it to get free stuff. Do it to be kind because I'm telling you, it will come back tenfold. Man, I'm going to have to say that was a great, great tip. Like, have have the deals come to you. Make those relationships. Have the guy on Facebook, hey, man, I got uh, this game you're looking for for this amount of money. Have the deals come to you. Talk to them. Make friends, you know? And yeah, hang out and, with them. Yes, and hang with those. And don't leave somebody after the deal, you know? And and you know what? Sometimes you want to bite the bullet for a game, so what? You know, the relationship is the most important thing. But I'm telling you, nine times out of ten, it's, that's where it's going to be. Because you go, the game is going to end up somewhere. But the relationship is going to last forever. You don't know how many good relationships I didn't have by video games. <laughs> it's amazing. It just made me feel good. I love it, you know? In all honesty, the real treasure in game collecting is the relationships you make along the way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I can say that for a personal experience. There's been um, many people that I've met through this hobby, through the community, particularly here in the Northwest, uh, John being uh, one of the uh, most prized ones. You know, all of you guys are very important to me but um this tip that uh, steve is talking about it's it's very real and it's part of the reason i think why i wanted to do this kind of cast you know like i, I want to speak to this um you know just for just like a, a moment steve posted uh his goal you know and, and announced you know his completion of of his what he felt was his goal and uh you know his complete set and all we saw was you know a lot of people congratulating and a lot of people nitpicking and it i'm gonna i'm gonna be frank those people um are i I know i get super technical i get super anal about how we pronounce certain things or um you know what things are called because there's a technical correct answer you know um there wasn't like a uh complete collection right like it's it's pretty much impossible because a collection is personal you can have every single game but then do you have every single demo do you have you know the development tools do you have yourself uh, unreleased games that no one knows about it's going to be impossible to complete a collection under you know certain kinds of uh criteria and watching our community tear down another person instead of building them up and congratulating them and we're seeing things like you know criticisms based on the fact that he has bought his games you know what i've been collecting for years you know how i got most of my games purchased them i used money you know like when i had spare or if i made something at a show or you know traded away i used cash to get a game that i wanted what's the big deal he did it quickly like I just didn't understand, and it seemed so bizarre to watch our community kind of do this. I just think that that's all the wrong mentality. You just got to love what you collect, and you got to not nitpick about it. Like, oh, well, it's not complete because you don't got the registration card and the rare obi and the stickers and this, that. It's like, if you like what you got and you're happy about it, you should congratulate them on it. At the end of the day, it's just going to be you with the collection you have. I've seen a lot of that in my in my journeys. Just to just to tune uh, chime in, sorry. Just mm-hmm. that uh, 
I, I, you know, I, with my collections, I, I can tell you for every five people that have congratulated me, there's been two or three people that grumbled or said something mean and hurtful. And, and, uh, you know, it just goes back to what Steve was saying of just bonding with the people with the relationship, you know, Kay, you know, we've known each other a long time and, and that's, that's something that just, you just have to hold on to the people that are, that are, that are true and dear to your heart and, and just ignore the, the naysayers. Cause there's always going to be those people. They can't, they try to process it. It's like a, the psychology part of it is they, people see someone with something and if they don't know you, they're going to classify it into like a category and it's just their way of trying to explain it. And, and, and especially if people that don't have great social cues are going to, are going to put that in like a negative connotation. I want to get to talking about the sets, but I also wanted to um, give a tip that I don't think a lot of people really realize. And so I'm putting this out there as someone who, um, you know, I'm archiving all my games. Uh, I have a, a very specific goal in mind with my set, and that is to obtain anything that I can, um, Saturn, you know, specifically software, but in general, anything I can, Saturn. And I want to properly preserve it and make sure that it's available for generations to come. And uh, one of the things that I have found in my collection while going on this journey was that games that look pristine, perfect looking games, you know, discs are flawless, end up having problems. And it could be anything from a manufacturing defect to, you know, um, disc rot, uh, data holes, you know, even ones that... uh, don't look so bad you know can have problems so the tip that i want to give out to people is that don't you know it's good to build the the trust relationships with everybody but if you're looking for you know if you're looking for a game to add to your collection you know ask the questions if they hold it up to a light do do they see pinholes of light through the disc you know that looks like it's missing data find out whether or not you know uh, the disc will be able to be dumped uh, if you take like Image Burn or another you know CD uh, image creation software. I personally use uh, Disk Image Creator from the Redump project. See if you can dump the game without having any error correction on, or if you're using Disk Image Creator, see if you can dump the game and it comes out without any C2 errors. Thoroughly test it because testing a game for most people. They take a Nintendo cartridge, pop it into the system, turn it on, the game plays, it works. That's how, you know, simpler systems work, how, how those cartridge systems The way optical media works, you know, there's an executable file on there. The Saturn or any, you know, system will go ahead and run that main program and then start calling out for assets that are located on the disk. And just because the program started and it runs and you see an image on your screen and you can move your guy... Uh, doesn't mean that there isn't an asset somewhere on that uh, game that can't be read because there's a huge hole in it. And I, I see people trying constantly to sell off games or trade off games that have just thousands of pinholes in them. And they say, oh, I tested it. It works just fine. But that's, you know, once a piece of data, once that physical media has been damaged, it cannot come back. CD technology does have the ability to have error correction, or I mean, it has error correction in it. So some of those pinholes, it can, you know, play the game just fine and all the assets are fine because the calculations are available. But too many of them, and it's not going to work. You're going to hear 
skipping, you're going to have uh, stuttering. Some assets may cause the game to crash because it can't load up enough data. And, you know, you, you run into these things where, but I tested the game. The guy said it tested it just fine. You know, it starts up. That's my tip for people. Rip a game, um, if it's especially if it's important to you or a really expensive game, ask the seller if they're willing to try to uh, dump the game and show you a, a readout that there's no errors. Ask him to take a picture of it, you know, um, on the uh, from the shadow side in front of a very bright light source to see if there's any data holes in it. You, you can't put that data back. There's no way to replace it, you know. So with that, the, the last little piece of um, our Ming conversation here that I wanted to talk about is what constitutes a Saturn, like a North American Saturn set to you. And we kind of went over this a little bit when we were talking about your guys' personal collecting goals. And um, so I just wanted to you know, get these out as like the different options that we all see as, you know, being included or not included. Uh, John, I'd like to start with you. Um, for you know, reiteration purposes, you don't consider the demos and you don't consider the variants as being important in your set, right? Correct. I, I consider those extras. And, and part of that is just going off other other collections and how they're categorized like i think a game set like i guess for me a game set is exactly that something that's a complete game that was bought in retail and then everything else is kind of in a separate category so i guess i'll start with that by saying that when i when i go for like a complete set of something it's mostly with the emphasis of of game of of it being a video game and having it part of a set um, and everything else is kind of extra, extra gravy. And so even Daytona, right. I agree that I think, you know, it's, it's, it is, it is part of the set and, and we could, we could determine, you know, how I don't classify something separate on how it was sold. If it was a game and it was offered in, in, a, in a market, then it's like Spider-Man Web of Fire, which I do believe is mail order as well, or Sega 32X. And so Daytona USA is kind of in that category for me, where I consider it part of the set. But I don't like demos and all that stuff. That's not a game to me, so I put that in a separate category. So does that does that make sense? <laughs> no, completely. So, yeah. I, I want to yeah, ask so, this question yeah. for you yeah. with that. Christmas Nights is considered a demo. So do you consider it part of the game set or not? Oh, it's a demo. It's a demo even it's a, it, even though it offers something unique, um, it's a demo. So it's like a like a bonus. And so that still would be a like, you know, a cherry on top. And so for me and and it gets I guess it's also interesting too that like disc based game consoles get very there's a lot of asterisks there's a lot of variations out there playstation included and to where there was maybe something offered on a demo disc that wasn't offered on a retail sold and so but for me it's it it, that's how i classify it yeah it's kind of funny though because i would consider christmas nights in japan to be part of the japanese set it's a funny antidote because it actually is sold as an actual game there. They do a lot of weird things in Japan. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> I, I know firsthand. I missed that place, but <laughs> it was some weird sales. And it, speaking of that, also to it, 
uh, some places, you know, you can go in some shops and you couldn't buy it because you was American at the time. I'm like, huh? Like, no American sales. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, bye-bye. That's a huge bummer. Yeah, I know. There's still some places like that in uh, Tokyo. Really? I never knew that. So they would just not sell you anything? <clears throat> yeah, like some of my friends, I got some wrestling friends. And uh, some places they go, uh, they said no American. Dang, that's a huge bummer. <laughs> I know, right? So I guess right. I'll talk about what's my what I consider my full collection. Uh, yeah, I guess, what's a full collection to you? So a full collection to me, as I stated earlier, is any game that you can buy in the store. Um, I don't count Daytona USA because it was a mail-in offer. Because <clears throat> it was one of the mail-in offers that a lot of people didn't know about. Even though it was... I'm looking at the history because even back then, I didn't even know about it. And I guess it was... Um, I don't know how you had to get it. One thing I saw that was in some magazines and you had to send in like cut out the UPC code or something uh, of uh, Daytona USA and then you'll get it inside of championship uh, circuit with a uh, something else. So it was just hard to figure out. So, But also too, if I got it, I would say, okay, it's like I said, it's part of my collection, but I don't, I don't consider it a full, a full set. I guess going for a full set for anybody is getting all the ones that you can, like say you can go to like the KB Toy Store or a Walmart day and buy over the over the counter, hand somebody some money, and then get the game. That's what I think a full set it consists of. So that's why I went for it first. Okay. And then you find out like the demo disc like Scream and Daytona USA is like a bonus disc and then Christmas nights and stuff like that where you can like get custom stuff for it, you know, custom custom cases and stuff like that to add to your second Saturn set. Because I looked at it right now as I'm looking at my set down, uh, I had on a, a Billy bookcase and I have, uh, it's really tight too. Um, the pictures floating around still. Uh, it's seven rows of games. So I says 35 games on seven. Yeah. And that's really tight. That's super tight, you know, and some, and just, that's what I that's what I consider a full set. And it's it's nice once it looks good. I always say if you get a full set, get a black uh bookshelf because that white and black contrast looks so cool. It must be a beauty to look over just standing up on staying in front of it and looking at it. Yeah, I did. Off the bottom. Yeah, it looks really nice. Wow, I actually did it and did it so quickly. I just could I still can't believe because I thought I was gonna uh finish my Wii U set before I finished that. And just some, not the blue, just it just happened. I guess those two last big shows, and I also had some real good trade bait, as John know. Um, those that that was an amazing thing to find an amazing trade bait pushed me over the edge. Because if I didn't have them, but I start, I still would probably be so far behind. <laughs> yeah, so, speaking of Wii U set, there's still that <clears throat> there's one by LRG that's coming out. Oh, what now? Oh, uh, that Wii U set, there's a new LRG release coming out soon. Uh, that they're gonna push out. Oh great! Those are in a separate category. <laughs> just just I to gotcha. say, okay, just okay, say, that's a whole <laughs> conversation, man. Yeah, that, that's but, just, yeah, and that's, that's, that's what really... I wanted to get into. Like, like, so you're talking about like limited run games pushing out additional games that are not, and, and I mean by their very nature, they're meant to be limited, and we get that. We look at some of the games that came out on the Saturn, um, and we're just strictly talking about the U.S., right? Mm-hmm almost all the working design games had a random disc put into the case. You didn't know which one you were going to get. 
unless you're buying it on the secondhand market. Oh gosh. How do people, you know, how do you guys as collectors feel about the variant disc art or the yeah. other releases like Knights coming in both long box form and in the pack-in version with the uh, standard CD jewel case? Yeah, and that's that's really what I find fascinating about that, okay, is that how differently the collecting of what a set is, or a complete U.S. set is, because we have three different definitions where I agree with you saying that, yeah, there's a U.S. set, but there's also the non-variant U.S. set on top of that, which makes it even more complicated. Can we just yeah. get an official word from Sega? Can we just, like, do something for <laughs> Sega? What did you consider a full set of all your list of games you came out with? I think then... Because if they really, seriously, if they came out with something and said, hey, this is an official list of what we have, I think it would clear up a lot of confusion because, you know, as gamers, you know, we're proud of our collections, but also, too, sometimes we're very confused on what it is. It's okay to be confused, but it's, it's never okay to bash somebody else or demean somebody because they didn't get what you didn't, you know, that's just really silly. But yeah. a complete collection is too personal to classify, and so we're always going to argue on, like, what something should and shouldn't be. So like, hey, Kay, you're my friend. And like, I, I, I know you have like a comprehensive opinion of like a game set. And I, and I, I, I are set in general. And then I think other people like, well, that's not a game. So that should be in a separate category. And, and then there's other people like, what about demos? And what about this and that? Like, I mean, I think even if Sega came out with saying something, we still would have disagreements on what a complete set is. It's not like they know any more than we. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if, if, honestly speaking, <laughs> I mean, probably I, be like, yeah, they're probably like, um, you guys yeah, actually care about the Saturn? Yeah, some suit's gonna come out and make some statement, but it's like, did he, did he collect Saturn? Does he know what he's talking? Like, or is he just representing the company? I mean, it's like, um, you know, I just that's my that's just my thoughts. We just I gotta just... go on the <laughs> the cliff, gotta climb up the steep mountain, and bow down to the great Saturn Shiro and ask him <laughs> to get the official word. <laughs> He'll punch you first. <laughs> well, so, like, I actually sent a, an email to Sega a few days ago with that very question. I got a reply back and it was just one sentence and it just reads, the Saturn is not our future, so... <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well played, Peter. Well played. <laughs> that was good. That's perfect that was perfect so Cookie sticks are hard to make <laughs> so john you're, you're very much right um like i feel that anything sega put out that was an executable that could run on the system designed unmodified to play in north america counts as part of the north american completionist set but i also know i'm insane so you know and, and technical and and anal and <laughs> and that just fits your, your personality. Getting roasted to the left and right over here. <laughs> no, he's my friend. I, I mean, I, I mean, the positive way, but like, yeah, Sega yeah. is your is Saturn is your life, and therefore that doesn't surprise me that you have that opinion. Right, and and so for for me, I had to start breaking it down. Like, um, so he couldn't be here tonight, but um, Dave Hickman, uh, who comes on every once in a while. And John knows uh, him. He helps us run the tournaments over at Cowlitz and stuff. Um, he and I looked at this question a couple of days ago, and also probably about two or three years ago. Like, what was my collection goal? And, you know, as it became more and more clear, especially, you know, with uh, with Don and those uh, 
unreleased games and things of that nature. I, I want to come at it from a preservationist, you know, kind of perspective. And to me, preserving everything that was able to run is, is the most important, you know, aspect of it. Uh, but for a collection, I, I, I would start with, let's say it's everything and then start whittling away bits and pieces for people that, you know, it just doesn't matter. A lot of people consider Daytona Netlink to be a variant and they look at it the same way that they would look at, like, um, say, uh, the disc variants for working design games. Reality is, it's different code, so it's a different game. And for me, if you want to say that you have every game on the Saturn, then you don't need to have all the different variants of Magic Knight, but you would probably want to have Daytona Netlink, you probably want to have Virtual On Netlink, um, you're going to probably want Christmas Nights because it's something that was very unique. Uh, even if it was only one level, it was still different code. Um, but you, we never hear anyone talk about, hey, you know, I got both the version 2 and the version 3 version of the Netlink browser. Because no one cares. <laughs> right? Like, it's a browser. And mm-hmm. that brings me to something that I don't know is in either of your guys' collections. Um, and I, Peter, I I'm not sure if you have this either, but the Saturn Obscura um, for our show is the Sega Saturn cleaning kit. It is an actual executable. It was actually put out retail by a company called C7. They're ridiculously hard to find, and it has some of the worst animation you've seen ever. I I don't know. I thought it was pretty nice, Kay. Uh, Kay? Thought it was pretty good looking. So... Tell me, if you guys were only after games, this would not even you know, cross the realm of possibility. But if you were looking for a complete set of anything that was released in the retail market, would you consider this very obscure, honestly horrendously done, <laughs> executable program to be part of this set? Would it need to be included? No. Well, I mean, all the all it all goes back to what you define as a set. So, like, if a set means everything, you know, accessories, demos. I mean, where does a line end? Does that include everything? Does that include every peripheral? Every, you know, if if you're going for like everything, then it would be in the everything category. But I think, like, uh, oh, I think our scope is mostly just the software of the games. Instead of so like the soft, peripheral stuff. Software, you know, and then software typically gets divided with many collections, game and non-game. And this goes back to the Digipress guides that have been out for 10, 15 years. And so I would say I would classify the cleaning kit as a separate, you know, a separate software category, not connected to the games. But, you know, most people, okay... Would, would not look at all software being part of a set. It would just be, you know, it would be in a, some type of comprehensive category. But that that's just my You go to the, the fact that having every game in the set, well, it's not really much of a game. I mean, unless pressing a button to make a disc spin on your laser <laughs> and clean it is a game. But I, I guess it, that then that boils down to what is a game, and that's, like, theory stuff that's beyond the scope of this cast. And beyond the scope, yeah, beyond the scope of my pedigree. Hey, Peter, what about you? Did you ever get your hands on the cleaning kit? 
Oh boy. Okay, so I actually came across the clean kit twice, both times at retail, and the first time it was it was I think if I remember somewhat less than an actual game, but I thought it was just a joke, so I didn't pick it up. And then the second time I came across it, it was uh it was on clearance, and so it was just selling for, you know, pennies. And again, I passed on it, and these would have been both brand new uh, at the time. And because it just, I thought to myself, like, this is garbage. Um, to be very honest with you, there's, I think it's on the back cover or whatever, there's a picture of like, like a cartoon drawing of Sonic and Tails. And it's like, you know, let Sonic and Tails clean your Saturn laser or whatever. And it just looked like pure cheese. So I passed on it. But that said, I mean, you know, okay, you're right. It it does have a Saturn, uh, you know, code on it. It will technically play. So, you know, I personally categorize it in the same sort of slot as, for example, the Lost and Found games. You know, these are things that are going to, you know, spin and play on your Saturn, but they're sort of in that other category. So I personally don't have it. I'm not overly interested in in picking it up per se it's just to me it's just one of those weird oddities more than anything i don't think that you can actually spin up uh, lost and found without a boot uh, some sort of boot disc or modified saturn though yeah that's oh. true i you know that's you've got a point there and i mean you know like i have a friend who picked up the cleaning kit and um like you know inside was you know the saturn disc and it had some bristles um uh built into the to the cd side that would actually sort of go over your your laser lens and i, I believe it also had like this little vial of some sort of a, a liquid Yep. Anyways, this friend of mine ended up drinking this liquid by mistake one day, and like he vomited for days, and so it just—it oh. was just—it was another sort of turnoff for me. So I never ended up getting it. You never took a sip? No, no, I, I, I didn't. No, no. Did the same friend lick the back of a Nintendo uh, Switch cartridge? <laughs> he could have. He could have died if he had too much. <laughs> that stuff is could have. Wow, what a story. Ugh. Okay. So we touched a little bit about, um, you know, variants on discs, but what about content? So let's assume that a complete game, right? Now we're, we're going just one step beyond the disc, right? But we're talking about uh, box, manual, uh, case art, inserts, or extras that come with these. Some of these games, particularly the working designs uh, for Magic Knight Ray Earth and Dragon Force, came with stickers. Some of them had mail-in offers that you had to cut out the registration card for. Uh, one of them had 3D glasses in it. What are your guys' thoughts about the completeness of a particular game, whether it has these particular items or not? John, how about you? Well, this is one of those things where, uh, you know, I'm collecting many different sets, and you get people that just get super super focused on the complete complete of something and in general uh a, a game a game to me is 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 i would say which is um you know there's discussions on what cib means to people and what you know and so for, for me a game that has the disc manual and case and spot art is a level of complete good enough for me personally. But some other people say it can't be complete unless it has all the extra stuff that came via retail. So the warranty card, if they had extra things, if there's everything has to be included. So that's super important to people. And I think 
I think this comes down to if you have a, com- a complete game collection of something, uh, that complete can be defined differently. And so I think at least it has to include the case, the manual, and the disc. And, and, and the other things which uh, Rick Wise once uh, defined as goodies, uh, those, those, if you're saying you have a complete game collection, then that, that does have to be included. And so, especially if it was offered in retail. Now, send away stuff is subjective because that wasn't offered in the package when you bought it new. And so you might have to destroy part of the game to get part of the game. So that's, that's debatable. But for me, that doesn't really count. Um, the, the, the variation stuff, that, you know, that's, that's, that's extreme. But I think, I think asking for a complete copy of something, I think, that's, I, think, I think many collectors would agree with that. All right, how about you, Steve? Oh, I agree. When you just talk about Dragon Force, I just, looked, I just pulled out my Dragon Force to see what I had in there. Because I never looked. And it has this uh, backup RAM cartridge sticker. What and what sticker is li- did you get? Oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah, what sticker did you get? Uh, let me see. It says backup RAM Dragon Force. Uh, the, I, don't even, I haven't even played this game, so I don't even know the characters. That's so bad. I, I, I need to play this game. I know, right? <laughs> what everybody had. You got some of the games you haven't played them all? Not every last one of them. But uh, the guy and the girl with the blue hair. Ah, uh, nice. And then the disc is with the girl with the blue or greenish hair. Yeah, Astea. Um, yeah. You but have y'all... a sticker I'm missing. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have it. No. God darn it. <laughs> Time um, to build that relationship, Kay. I know, I know right? <laughs> <laughs> I do, but I, I, I'm one of them type of people that I love the little goodies inside. I'm a big thing about guest swag with games and stuff like that. I always try to get the little extra stuff. And put it in there. It just makes the game feel a lot special, more special for just for me. I don't know. Just I just I like that pecking feel. I guess because I grew up within the age of, you know, when you get prizes and cereal and stuff. So <laughs> that's how I got my first cameras. Actually, through a, a Cheerios box, uh, I had to send away to get my own camera. So yeah, I, I, I think I like this stuff like that. I think it makes it more complete. Uh, like I said, CIB is. Uh, to me is you got to have you know front and back case uh, a really good manual and the disc you know and if it did have like stickers say like uh, Magic Knight Rare you know <laughs> that's debatable on that but as long as a good CIB I think it has to have all that stuff in there and make sure it's a really good, it's not going to be water damage because you know we've seen some Sega, uh, Sega Saturn games that's been I I ran into a couple of these before on my um, on my uh, journey, and I just had to sell those off. But you get the game, the but back will be water damage, and also too like the destruction book would be like just crispy, like that, like like a, a like a taco crispy, and uh, just be I hate that, and you have to like uh, I I ran into a stale like that, and I had to sit, I had to trade that off or sell that off at a, a cheap price because I got that in a bundle, but. I hated that. It was a really good. I kept the disc, but just the, the other stuff was just like horrible. The case is great. It just, it was just, uh, it was just horrible. Hey Peter, how about you? Uh, you know, okay. So I've really wrestled with exactly what is complete and, and uh, like a full set. Um, 
and was available to the public, I consider it, um, you know, part of the set. And in terms of a complete uh, uh, game, you know, if it had special extras, like, for example, a backup RAM sticker or maybe the 3D glasses or whatever, then obviously that's necessary to me. Where I think I get a little bit um, hazy is some some of the games had, you know, generic inserts. And so you could have like 20 different games that would have potentially all had the same insert. You know, like, for example, you know, send in proof of purchase of three games, get one free or whatever. That's a lot less important to me. Uh, if I buy them and they include it, that's great. But it's not going to, um, you know, turn me off if it doesn't. Because it's really tough to sort of figure out, well, sh- you know, what should it have come with back in the day? You know, what did it include? What didn't it include? And so for me, you know, game, case, manual, and then any extras that actually came with it, that's what makes it complete for me. I'm kind of the same way with Peter. That if it's, if I mean, the the generic, like the slide-in or stuff like that, or the, the actual case itself, I I don't really think that matters much. As long as it's the content that was, that was exclusive on that or came with it. So if it's like some case that can be switched out, I mean, I'm not going to ask for like $10 less because it's not the original Saturn case on it. The reason that I brought this particular piece up is my copy of Contra uh, for Saturn did not come with the 3D glasses. And I spent ages looking for those glasses. Just like I, spent, I, I spent ages looking for those silly RAM stickers after I figured out that they all came with them. So what I ended up doing, and maybe this is you know counts as a, a foul on my part. You know, I'll have to put myself at the mercy of the court but playstation version like the first version uh of that same game on the playstation was a a double cd case and it included a folded up version of the same glasses so i bought one of those and i took the glasses out of it and i shoved it in my saturn case my question is uh, (laughs) yeah i mean yeah do it i mean who's gonna know unless you tell them (laughs) you told the world yeah just lie you're not my friend anymore because you have a fold on your glasses it's like it's like a PlayStation logo <laughs> on the side of it instead of a Saturn one. No, it's, they're just folded in half because it, to fit it inside the the uh, case um, on a PlayStation. That's it. And you know, honestly, like if I ever find another copy of that game and I can find the glasses, I'll swap it out for the legit thing because I'm just that OCD. Um, but you know, it, it's little things like that, uh, little differences that started you know hitting me. Um, like for the longest time, I thought there was just one box version of the uh, 3D Knights controller with Knights pack in, but there's two versions of it, and they actually have different UPC codes, even though they have the same you know Sega generated number. One of them yeah. has an extra piece where you can do like a scratch it. Uh, yeah, a scratch it. Yeah, that's it. There's like a little you know scratch card to play some sort of game, enter some sort of contest. Yeah, oh, I would goodness. I would label that in the the variant section of it mostly. Yeah. I wouldn't really consider that like a different a different game. So when we were designing this database, because this is kind of like the the semi reveal here, is that um, Shiro is going to be putting together a tool to try and help you know the community define their goals and you know work as a checklist or a database. And we're going to start with everything and then let you checkbox what you actually want to include. And we were looking at this particular game and going. Well, how do we do this? Because, you know, first off, it's a variant of Knights, right? Knights has a long box, and then it has, like, this pack-in box with the jewel case in it. 
and they are different SKU numbers, right? The game itself is a different SKU number. And we had to start looking at the minutia, the real nitty gritty details between three different versions of one game. We had to do this for multiple games because Virtua Fighter Remix has the same kind of problem. Uh, and in fact, I, I meant to ask this of you, Steve. The copies of Virtua Fighter 2, the original Daytona USA, and Virtua Cop that you have, are they all the long box versions or are they the ones from the three free games pack? Uh, I have the three free games pack. Uh, I have. Uh, when you, Now, I, I just now, for some reason, I, when I bought two copies of uh, Virtua Fighter Remix, I got a red and blue disc. And I, huh, plus I just keep on that. And then uh, Virtual Cop, I have Virtual Cop 1 and 2 are the long disc. And I think I have, uh, let me look and see. What is this it? How about part. you, John? While we're waiting. Yeah. For you. Oh, I got a uh, Virtual Fighter Remix uh, short box. I don't have a long box. I'm looking for the long box. The only reason I'm looking for the long box because I like how it sits on the shelf. And, and that's, that's, that's a variant I really like to find, you know? Sure. I don't have the Canadian uh, with the Virtua Fighter long box, but I have the three free with the other long boxes of the other ones. Um, I also want to add to your database that certain employees at Working Designs had their games stamped. And I have one of those from Working <laughs> Designs Iron. And so there's a stamp inside, like promotional use only, a stamp for employee who probably took it home to play it so that they could like, you know, be better at their job. Wanted to note that, that uh, that's another thing that may, a lot, maybe a lot of people don't know about. So, but, yeah, uh, well, but yeah, getting back to, getting back to that. Yeah. It's, it's a never ending in, in your, we're going to find stuff moving. I'm sure there's other information out there. People that worked on games that have information and variations and stuff out there that is yet to be found. There's still that elusive, uh, the elusive Akira RPG side story disc as well. That's somewhere out there. Really? Yeah. You mean the, the movie? No, no. The the demo, the sorry, the beta for Shenmue. The because uh, oh. there's really Akira. It was like no Virtual Fire RPG Akira side story or something like that. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about Akira, the, like the uh, the anime, the big anime. So, wow, okay. No, I'd play cool. that in a second. Yeah, that's a great game. So. Just getting back to the the three free games for a moment. The reason why I mentioned that is that that's one of those that you couldn't just go in and buy, right? Like it was a three game pack. And that was one of uh, a more interesting, you know, dilemma that uh, Dave and I were running into because technically each of those discs counts as a variant of the long box version, but the packaging in of itself is separate. And that whole packaging, because it was not for resale, was considered part of the promotional or demo aspect of things. So we have to categorize some of these games in more than one way. And it was fascinating to me on top of that, because the box for the three free games has a variant. So you have a variant within a variant within a variant. Really? And what's this variant look like? Uh, One of them has a, a coupon, a yellow corner and the other one doesn't it mentions that he has a, a, a coupon inside or something like that there's actually um on sakore there is a mention of a possible third variant as well of just the casing and doesn't even include the you know whether or not the discs are different hey k it could be worse so it could be atari 2600 which there's several there's some games actually have like 20 different variations so oh, oh, it could it could be worse 
I'm going to blow your mind right now. Check this out. There is a Japanese game on the Saturn. It is a visual novel called You Know. That game has no less okay, than 32 variants. And here's the trick to it. The first time that you open it, like none of them have a difference on the outside. It's all on the inner disc case art. So you have a possibility of getting between one and, you know, what, 16 different case arts on the inside behind the first disc. And then they reproduce that same exact game in a package, including a mouse. So if you wanted to get them all, theoretically, you'd have to get 32 copies of that game and you would not know whether or not you had the right disc art until opening it up. Man, that'd make a lot of really good Frisbees. <laughs> Man, because that's basically all you'd be able to use that if you're clicking for a Japanese set and you don't uh, understand Japanese. Imagine crazy. that. I got all these 32 discs, 32 variants, and I can't play any of them. Where are you going to put 32 bot or well, like 16 copies of the mouse, you know, like in package, right, complete? It's ridiculous. That's a YouTube channel right there. Someone obsessing about getting every variation, ordering oh, it, and opening it up online. It's called You Know the Pain. <laughs> it's really funny. Like when we start branching from the North American set and you go into like the uh, the the Japanese set, you have some games that are exactly the same game, exactly the same data, two completely different SKU numbers, and it's all because they had different cover art. Or you yeah. have like you know, and you have two SKU numbers, one with the mouse, one without. And you have 16 different possible variations on the art, and you can't tell what you're getting. It's silly. And you know what? I own like six copies of You Know currently. <laughs> well, you know, you crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the title of the, the YouTube channel. You know you're crazy when. <laughs> That's uh, be, <laughs> that should be the title of this episode. You know when. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm having a great time, you guys, and I wanted to thank John for taking some time out of his holiday schedule with his mom for you know hanging out with us uh, for all this. And it's been a pleasure. Time. It's been a pleasure, Kay and Steve and everybody. Thanks for having me on. I I'd love to stay on, but I actually have to still do a video tonight, for my own channel. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna head on out for that. And I want to say thank you. It's been a pleasure, and uh, you guys got something awesome going on here. Yep. Thanks, John. I really appreciate it. And hopefully, we can have you on sometime in the future. Take care, guys. All right, take care. Later. Okay, so uh, just a couple more things that I wanted to mention uh, in terms of collecting and what you know, what some people uh, uh, consider part of the set and what some people count and what some people don't. And the first uh, is the working designs variant. So we've mentioned it a few times now, but most of the Saturn working designs releases came with uh, different CD variants. And you would never know what you're getting uh, when you bought them at retail because the cases and manuals were exactly the same. It's just the disc art itself that was different. I mean, even the game code, with one exception, uh, was exactly the same across all the variants. Um, and so, you know, they have the same product code, the same manual and case. It's literally just the art on the discs. And so back in the day when I was um, doing mo most of my collecting in the early to mid-2000s, I ended up, my goal was to pick up every single disc variant, and I did that, but I, I never really wanted more than one copy of, you know, the manual and the case and, and all the rest of it. So I've only got one case and manual of each of the Working Designs games, but I've got all the different disc arts. And so what I've done is I've got, you know, the little uh, CD slips um, 
that some of the Saturn games came with for multiple disc games, and that's where I keep the the different variants so that they're in the appropriate case. And so, you know, some folks ignore the variants because it's the same game. Others want to make sure that they have every single variant, and that includes all the cases and all the manuals times three or four, whatever the case may be. And in my case, it's literally just uh, having each of the discs, but not necessarily having more than one uh, case and manual. So that's yet another sort of quirk uh, when it comes to North American Saturn collecting. Um, and then the second thing I wanted to mention uh, is uh, silvers. So not too many people are aware of what silvers are, but essentially, once a game was more or less ready to go for pressing, uh, you know, to create retail discs that could be then sold, uh, there was a very small number of silver discs that were pressed. And so they're essentially, they're the full game. They do have the Saturn copy protection on it. So you pop a silver into a standard retail Saturn machine and it'll run just fine. But there's absolutely no discard on these. So it's silver on both sides. And so these were primarily used as a last sort of check before a disc went to pressing. And these were also the discs that were sent to magazines and so on and so forth for review purposes. And so there's very, very few silvers of each game that are sort of out there. And again, this is not this isn't something that you could just buy in a store. So this is something that you would have to you know, you'd have to have a way to get it uh, secondhand. But they certainly do exist. You know, I personally happen to have a silver of Nights into Dreams. And I picked it up only because Knights happens to be my favorite Saturn game. And I've had opportunities to pick up other silvers, but I've just passed on them because they're generally quite a bit more uh, expensive than just the, the regular version. But, you know, it's something that we definitely should mention. I mean, they, they do exist. They're out there. They are legitimate Saturn games that, you know, have the uh, copy protection. So they'll play on a retail Saturn and... Um, you know, it's it's part of the the Saturn universe, anyways. But you know, not necessarily something that you know uh, you would count towards a uh, full set. Some of them actually go for cheaper. I mean, House of the Dead, I think, only sold for like twenty or thirty bucks. It's crazy, yeah. but you know what, Pat? I mean, I have a feeling that it's because most people don't really know what they are. You know, if somebody was saying to you, "Hey, I'm going to sell you a game, and it's actually got no cover art," I mean, how do you know it's not just a CDR? You know what I mean? So it may be something that people just aren't even aware of, really. It's called PayPal virus protection. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember that. I um, I think I was a, a challenger for that Knights for a little while too before I uh, gave up on it. Threw up with Peter. Is it still out there? Oh, um, no. So when we brought Peter on about a year ago, um, there was uh, a realization that we would be, like, bidding against each other in certain auctions or something like that. And we started just, like, you know, sharing the information. Oh, okay. (laughs) So so y'all have stuff set up for eBay auctions. Whenever something comes, like, oh, here it goes. We'll get it. God, I probably receive like 30 or 40 emails a day um, of various searches that I have on eBay and you know other locations just to wow. you know, try to find certain things. John was talking, you know, before he had to go, he was talking about like not making the mistake of, you know, only going after the heavy hitters, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, picking up the, the smaller names. There are some games that people, you know, don't even recognize as having a rare version and um i've been able to you know because i've, I've got you know th- these search terms um saved in my ebay you know search list or whatever um, yes 
I'm I'm able to pull up like we we got Need for Speed um in America. Japan got um uh God what was it? Uh, like the Nissan Oh GTR? Yeah, I think that's what it was. Um, yeah, the G- well, GTR, what about it? Or like, was it Nissan or was it Toyota? Is anyone the Supra? It was Nissan GTR, the uh, that that need for speed version. Okay. So that game has a variant. <laughs> and oh. the variant happens to be rare. It's weird. The collector's edition of a lot of Japanese <clears throat> games are actually the common one. And it's difficult to find the non-collector's edition version of some games. Kind of like how it is here with a lot of the collector's edition of Halo and stuff like that. <laughs> hey, Peter, you were talking about the disc variants. Do you have any care about the other variants, like the um, the gun pack-in for Virtua, uh, Virtua Cop 1 and 2? So, yeah, good point, Kay. And yes, I do try to have both. And so I do have, for example... Virtua Cop 2, you know, the standard jewel case that comes in the bigger box with the Virtua Gun as well as the standalone long box. Um, and that includes, you know, obviously Nights into Dreams. You you have the standalone long box as well as the, the larger, you know, box set with the 3D pad. You know, and, and we can even talk about Virtua Fighter Remix. Uh, there's three, three colors of discs that you can get. There's red, blue, and purple were a little bit different. Uh, the purple was the standalone long box, uh, and then the red and the blue were, one was a jewel case and one was just a cardboard slip. And I think it's because uh, some of them were, I believe, pack-ins or mail-aways or something like that, um, whereas the long box was available at retail. And from what we can gather, it, it was actually only available for retail uh, up here in Canada. Um, so believe it or not, out of the Virtua Fighter Remix variants, that was the first one I picked up, and I, it was extremely cheap for me. Shot up in price, but yeah. So any any of that kind of variation, do try to go after that, you know. And that does mean that you know you're gonna have multiple copies of certain games, but that's it's all part of the experience for me. So that I will definitely go after. Pick up um, the uh, the standard CD size jewel case version of Sega Rally. Oh man, okay, so I'm aware of it, and no, I don't have it yet, so I should add that to my to my list of things to hunt down, but I, I'm aware of it, yes, and it is definitely a variant for sure. Wait a minute, you talking about the uh, the short box version of Sega Rally Championship? Is it the Netlink Edition one? No. Okay. No, it's a, a really weird one. I can't find much information about it, but I own two copies of this thing. Because I found it on eBay of all places, right? Um, just happened to be browsing around, and I noticed that there was a uh, someone selling uh, standard size CD case version of Sega Rally, and I'm all like, "What is this?" And it, I believe, was supposed to be some sort of pack-in, but this guy had like thirty some odd copies of it, so I actually bought two of them. They were all brand new, sealed, and I kept one to open for dumping, and the other one I kept sealed. So that's interesting because my Saturn came in with Sega Rally as a pack-in game. It's got a big sticker on the outside box saying, you know, Sega Rally Championship included. And you'd think that that would mean small um, jewel case, but it actually came in with the full retail long box, the silver copy. So it's weird. Yeah, definitely weirdness. And I think we're going to run into that with pretty much any you know, collection that you do, any Saturn game, or uh, quite frankly, I mean, any system. I mean, I, I looked at uh, 
NES cartridges for the first time a few years ago, really looking at variants because I was like, why does this copy of Super Mario Brothers seem so much lighter than this other copy? And we started looking at like the labels and all sorts of weird things uh, design-wise were changed based on whether or not it was the first version, the second version, um, revision of the hardware back then. It was just a, kind of like a crazy time. And now trying to be a collector of all of these items, it makes it interesting. It makes it fascinating. And it also makes it very flippin' difficult. All right, guys. So I'd like to thank you guys for listening to our cast today. We had uh, some great discussion on Sega Saturn sets and strange games, strange variants. And I thought it was really interesting, and I'd like to thank both our guests, John Hancock and Stephen Wright, for stopping by and talking with us about that. Before we go, did, uh, Peter, did you have any articles you'd like to play? Yeah, so by the time this cast drops, I would have just uh, put out uh, the Sonic R article. And that's just such a polarizing game, so I encourage everybody to go and have a read at that. I took a pretty good in-depth look at that. Um, and I've also posted a screenshot gallery, and I'm going to be doing that with every article that uh, we put out now because I find that we get a lot of folks that really look through the screenshots. It brings back a lot of, you know, like it engages a lot of commentary from folks. And, of course, there's a link to the uh, article right in there. So um, we, we went ahead and did that with Cotton 2, and we've gone ahead and done that with Sonic R. And then beyond that, uh, the next article is going to be a short little uh, expose on Sega Saturn manuals. Uh, there's some really interesting stories in some of the manuals that came out, some oddities and some quirks. Um, and so it's going to be a really neat um, article about uh, of Sega Saturn manuals. Nice. I'm definitely excited to check those those out. I always love reading your articles, Peter. Thanks, man. Um, what about you, Steve? Do you have anything to plug uh, before we head out? Uh, yeah. You can uh, check brightwayphotography.com. All my links will be there from YouTube to Instagram, all that good stuff, you know. Uh, I'm on Facebook, you know, follow me there. And uh, just type in Steve Wright Jr. They say Rightway Photo. Just follow me there, man. Um, I'm pretty much everywhere, you know. I'm trying to rebuild my YouTube channel up, so go give a shout-out, a like, you know, follow all that good stuff. Nice. Definitely love to check that out. I always love seeing your collection photos. I'm doing some more tips and tricks and stuff about, you know, photography and video games because I just I got a, a video soon about just how to take good pickup video footage because I just hate to see how people just get new games and just throw them on the table or somewhere and it just look like crap and you can't see nothing. So I'm definitely gonna try to help people out with that. And uh, John wasn't able to join us; he had to head out, but. Check out his YouTube channel, The Immortal John Hancock. You check out a lot of people like Metal Jesus Rocks. He makes several cameos in that as well. But yeah, uh, th- that does it for us. Have a great night. Thank you for listening. And remember, you must play Sega Saturn. Sega! I'm serious about that sticker. So. <laughs> he so wanted a sticker. He- you should awesome. sell it to me, and I'll put it on my RAM cart, like I'm I did with the rest of my uh, my um. There's a RAM cart with that sticker on it that I've been watching for two years. The guys had for like seventy five dollars for two years, two years. <laughs>